0: Welcome to Citadel Church Sermon of the Week. Citadel Church is here to connect you to God and to develop you for influence. For more information about Citadel Church, you can visit www.citadelchurch.com. Here's the latest sermon by Pastor Tracy Armstrong. Today I want to talk to you about breaking the spirit of mammon. Breaking the spirit of mammon. Can I tell you one of the biggest The reasons we are in this region is to address a spirit called mammon. Uh, The the anointing to break the spirit of mammon must be a prophetic and apostolic anointing. Uh, The apostolic and the prophetic anointing is not just about growing something, but it's about addressing something that is out of place, moving things into place, establishing things in its right place. Some of you are attracted to this church because it has that element, and you have that element in you. That you want to shift and move some things in your family. You want to address some things in your life. You want to be a part of addressing some things in this city. You feel a calling and a mandate. I thought to myself as I was preparing this, I wonder how many of you feel called to business. Let me see the hands of anyone that in this place. You feel called to business. I thought, Lord, this has to be a group of people for us to have this mandate that you are speaking to me about on a consistent basis. We have to be a people where the majority of us are called to business. The majority of us are called to to do more than just live a regular, normal life, that we're also called to business and ministry. I had a young man ask me last week, and this is just leading up to the introduction of my message. He asked me last week, he says, tell me about this Melchizedek anointing. And I said, well, Melchizedek anointing is an anointing which cross-pollinates two anointings. It's a kingly and a priestly anointing, where you're just as much priestly as you are kingly, where you don't have a, a one that supersedes the other, but you have an anointing of a king which goes into the marketplace and establishes the kingdom of God or the kingdom in the marketplace. Then you have the priestly anointing which engages heaven to earth. That anointing which seems, most people would say the priestly anointing is ministry and the kingly anointing is business. And I can tell you that Jesus was both. Jesus was both and we now are of this. He said, well, how can we be of the Melchizedek anointing if Jesus is Melchizedek? I said, well, you have to to add a word to the reading. If you go to Hebrews or if you go to the, it, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter seven, it was the order of Melchizedek, not just Melchizedek as a person, not a personified person, but an order, which means that there's a collection, a company of more than one that the Bible calls us a kingdom of priests. I'm going to take my time today and I'm going to talk long today. And so if you're ready to get out, we're going to take our time with this because I want to address, I, fa- I found a mandate on the way to church today, a mandate that was bigger. I said, Lord, why are we here in the Northwest? I asked the Lord that almost every week because I get celebrated everywhere else. I've never been attacked like I've been attacked on this East side. I've never been addressed and, and insulted like I have been on the East side. I can get on the plane today and pick where I want to preach and go and preach. I can make phone calls and have honor. But when I came to this city, this territory, I've never been despised like I've been despised here. I've never been talked about, made up about as I've been here. And I said, God, why am I here? Can I go somewhere? Where I can show up and two years later, it's 8,000 people. Can I go somewhere that allows me to be a part of something that is growing and flourishing? And he says, I said, Orange County is really nice right now. I'm saying this as I'm getting in the car. I'm being very vulnerable and honest to you. As I'm getting in the car today. As at Orange County, there's plenty of opportunities for me there. And I'm driving down the road and the Lord says, your Orange County church will have the same level of contention if you don't put the spirit of this territory under your feet. That makes now me being a part of this church, not about growing it. But about addressing a spirit of a territory that tries to kill apostles and prophets. That tries to destroy and refuses an anointing that can put it in its place. I've come with a mandate on me today. I've come with an assignment that I've not had in a long time. I've come with an energy that I'm so stoked and so stirred up to walk into a prophetic atmosphere an apostolic sound that was coming from the stage and a group of people that were saying yes and amen. I'm telling you, it doesn't take a whole bunch of us to pull down a stronghold and an evil spirit that mocks your anointing, that mocks the power on you, that mocks the authority on you, that mocks the favor on you. Let it mock because it's coming under our feet and it's coming under our feet because as it happens here, it will happen in the other places. As we begin to drive the church, I'm sorry, I'm not in my message yet. As we begin to drive the church, I begin to think about all the other places. The Lord said he wants to plant and pioneer Citadel churches. Amsterdam is in the works of being pioneered. It's It's the same spirit. Orange County. It's the same spirit, Silicon Valley. It's the same spirit, Austin. It's the same spirit. And he says, Tracy, you can go and try to plant anywhere, but wherever you go, it's the same spirit that's gonna fight you. And it's gonna stir up contention in the hearts of those who don't know what they're fighting. We kept telling I met with a group of men. I kept telling them, God was giving us a blueprint. What we need is builders. What we need is builders. No blueprint is worth anything without someone who can build it. Why do you pay $2,000 for a blueprint, but you pay a million dollars for the house that's built? We don't need people who just want to come to church. We need people who want to stir up something and establish something, who will fight through the, the anguish of doing something no one else wants to do. Today, we're going to start off with breaking break the spirit of mammon. This territory is ruled by a spirit. It's called the spirit of mammon. Someone say mammon. Oh, okay, I'm just going to have fun. Genesis chapter 11, it's interesting as, we, as you turn there, I want to just tell you, Genesis chapter 11 is where we're going to start our address on the spirit of mammon. In 2008, the, the, the world went into a financial crisis. How many of you know it wasn't just your city and your block? It was the whole world went into a financial crisis in 2008. Something shifted the economy. And it was interesting as I as I as worry and fear tried to grip me. I looked out the back uh, uh, of my window in my house, and I saw birds. I mean, just scattered birds, uh, at least a hundred birds, on my back in my backyard, eating from everything, just just eating. And I looked out, and the Lord said, "Why are you concerned? Look at them. They're not worried about a recession, a global crisis. They're eating." Because I supply them through your backyard. (laughs) Come on, somebody. My backyard, the pool, little pool that I was supposed to pull up, they were just splashing and they were not at all concerned that the whole world's economy was falling apart. He says, if they're not worried and you are also mine. Should you not be worried? He says, the only reason you would be worried is if you've given yourself over to the Babylonian spirit. The only reason you should be worried is if you've given yourself to the spirit of Babylon and you've given yourself to the system of this world and that's where your trust is. See, a bird doesn't trust in the system of this world. Come on, somebody, the bird is not trusting. And the Bible says, who are you? Aren't you greater than they? Isn't that what the Bible says? You are greater than them. And so the Lord said, I want you to do this, Tracy. I want you to sit down and I want you to study global recessions and global crises. And as I began to research global crises, I started to see certain dates. I went and I Googled global crises, not just local, not just California, but global crises. And then he says, along it, I want you to also, this, I want you to also research the global awakenings that followed and i found that with every global crisis there was following a global awakening with every crisis there was an awakening see there is something that's happening because that shows me that there's a battle of kingdoms going on when one kingdom is pulled down another kingdom says here i am in 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 with there was, it was like a year to two year, three year process. The global crisis would happen. The people would humble themselves and pray. And then there would be a turn in the hearts and seeking the face of God. And then there would be a, an awakening that happened in the spirit that would then turn around the economy. It happened like that every single time. Went back 1800s, went back. It was consistently. Even the, the Azusa Street. Encounter. There was a global global crisis. Then there was a global repentance, and then there was an economic shift. I realize that God wants us to have the economic shift, but not on our own terms. As you study this Genesis chapter eleven, it's a fascinating uh, piece of scripture. It talks about a group of people. It doesn't call them Chaldeans. It doesn't call them by any other name but the peoples. The people of the earth, they were of one one voice, one mindset. Someone say one voice, one mindset. They were one voice, one mindset, and they, they began to do something together in their unity. The Bible says in this territory, they began to build with brick and mortar. I think that's interesting with brick and mortar because brick has a very, very distinct thing. It's, all, it's, it's, it's the same every single time. There's not individuality. There's not creativity. This is something that was used to force people in their work. It's amazing that the deeper you go and the higher you grow, the more you are supposed to be like and look like someone else. You become brick, a controlled environment. And controlled in society, control. It's amazing how people will judge you based upon whether or not you look like them. Well, I don't know if you fit in here because you don't look like. The other thing I found, found, thought was interesting about brick and mortar is that brick and mortar is usually the term that's used when you're talking about building a business. Brick and mortar business. Now, online Entrepreneurship. But it's always about brick and mortar. It's always about the, the building of a business, building of something. This building is taking place, and I, I just think this is interesting because God comes down, and he looks, he hears the sound of men working together, women working together, children working together, all with one heart, one mind, and he comes down. And the Bible says he looks at the city they're building, and he looks at the tower they're building. Now, get this. He's looking at the city and the tower, I asked myself, why is he looking at the city and the tower? Because God is hearing people build, but they don't have the blueprint. He didn't give them the blueprint. He's looking to see, is this the blueprint that I have for the earth? People are working on things in their lives that have not been given the blueprint from God. I'm basically laying down foundation of the babylonian system the babylonian system wants you to build and look like everybody else do everything you can to fit in don't ruffle feathers don't be different sound like everyone else talk like everyone else look like everyone else don't allow your individual creativity god never built with brick God always builds with the stone shape that you are. You go to Israel and you look at the wall. The wall, I'm like, none of this is like perfect. It's all different. See, we should be able to get along even though we're different. We should be able to work together even though we're different. I'm talking about the Babylonian system for a moment here. He says, There's no building, there's no blueprint. He says, Look what these guys have chosen to do. Look at them, look what these guys have done. This is what they've done in, in their imagination at this point. If they really start to dream, what could they come up with? Come on, if they really start to work, what could they come up with? And he says, I got to confuse it now. It's interesting, he uses the word confusion because he doesn't actually introduce confusion, he adds more opportunities. God doesn't confuse you by taking away things from you. Confusion comes when He gifts you too much. You take away a person's confusion, you take away their creativity. Innovation is from confusion to revelation. What God did is he added to them languages, saying, I'm not going to allow. Now, you have to see this, because what what, what was taking place is there was a a leader by the name of Nimrod, and Nimrod was taking the the leadership position. He was forcing the laborers to form into brick. Instead of building God's way, he was building and uniforming everybody. Now, this is going to be, I got to give you this foundation he was leading this rebellion to build a tower to God. Now, why was he wanting to go to God? Why did he want to build a tower to God? He said, let us build a tower, let us build a city so that we can have our own name. So that I can be famous. He's trying to take on this platform of building without having to rely and submit to God. The Babylonian system tries to do it without God. Now, you have to see this. This is a single point I want to, before we move on to the next level, the next stop. This is important that you get this. Because the Babylonian system wants to build a tower to God. It said, let us build a tower that, is, that, that rises to heaven. Can I tell you, the enemy wants to use materialism for you to build heaven on earth. The Babylonian system will include God as long as it can control him. The Babylonian system wants heaven under its material authority. That's why many churches are, the fight of the leadership is to be free from the control of money givers. It's because the Babylonian system, you can be a Christian and not use godly ways to make money. There's Christians that have made their money by the Babylonian system. All right, you guys are quiet here. The Babylonian system, now watch, it it wants to use brick and mortar to get to God. It wants to use materialism to get to God. But not for the sake of submitting to God, but for the sake of rising to him. Rising to his authority level. Rising to his influence level. Rising to his. Why in the places where the most money is being created, they have no desire for God? Because they th- this this is something that I've realized in this city. We have one of the best economies in the nation. And we are the most satisfied with ourselves. That is Babylonian. God comes down and says, I have to conf- I have to break this up because if I, if I don't break this up, they're going to actually have everything they ever imagined. Nothing will be impossible. Now let say nothing will be impossible. Nothing. I've only heard that by one other person. With God, all things are. That means there's two systems on the earth that all things are possible. The Babylonian system, all things are possible. And with God, all things are possible. That means we have a choice of which system we're gonna build with. I want to get to heaven. I want to have heaven on earth. You can have that. Which system are you going to use to have it? Now, the other thing you have to recognize is Babylonian system, the brick and mortar wants to build itself to God, but God was trying to come down. One's trying to rise to God and God's trying to bring his heights to us. Either way, there's elevation that's taking place. The Babylonian system led by Nimrod. When God scatters, everybody still goes to what their language is and their mindsets. Even if they didn't understand the language, they were moved to the mindsets. So those that were led by Nero, uh, Nimrod, they followed Nimrod and became Babylon, the city that we know of. And then Babylonian mindset is still there to take down God rabbis actually teach the reason they wanted to build the towers was to cause a war with God to rise to heaven and war with God can you imagine the mindset the mindset is a warring mindset the name Nimrod itself means rebellion this is just setting up for the we haven't even started talking about mammon because after Babylon was established Nimrod established a a a God, and the God's name was Mammon. The Mammon is the God of wealth. God of wealth. Come on, God of wealth. Someone say God of wealth. Are you guys tracking with me? You look like you're attentive. You look like it. Are you guys attentive as well? Now you have to see this because this is a spirit that we're addressing, and he wants us to be ignorant to the fact that he's been trying to rule behind the scenes. Mammon doesn't want to rule up front. Mammon wants to be behind the scenes, influencing hearts. Mammon doesn't want to be an upfront God. It wants to be behind the God that influences hearts by wealth. That's why the Bible says you. In, in, it says here in Luke. Chapter 16, it says you cannot serve two. Someone say two. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. So you, it's, it's now really breaking it down. You have to choose which one, Babylon or the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God has Jesus. Babylon has Nimrod. The kingdom of God has God himself as the God who leads who wants to come down and bring a connection between heaven and earth? The kingdom of Babylon has mammon as the fortified God, the God of wealth. It's not just money because he says you can't serve. Someone say serve. Now, you're gonna see, you're gonna see Jesus himself really personify this mammon, to take it away from just being money to being an understanding that this is an entity that you're serving if you give your life hunting money. For a child of God, money hunts us. See, one of the big understandings of spirit of increase in the Bible is that it wasn't until a, a, the, the, the sin happened in the garden that gold ran from us. Gold was on the surface until the sin happened and then it, it sunk into the ground to, be, to avoid us. Now we're righteous sons of God. Come on now, we don't need to use this system for gold to be attracted to us. He says, you can't serve two. He says, you will either hate the one or love the other. You will hate. These are strong terms. You don't use this as simple terms. These are, these are conditions of the heart. You will either hate the one or love the other. Someone say hate, hate. or love. So you either, you can't just say, I want money and still love God. Because the moment you say, I so desire lust after money, you immediately love it in such a way that you start hating. So when God, I said, God, why break everything apart when your move of God comes? Because I found out something is that God is attracted to order. Every time we organize with the systems and processes and we're builders, man, the wind of the Holy Spirit comes and the glory of God comes. And I'm like, you're attracted to it. But he wants to see, is it built with my blueprint? Because if it's built with my blueprint, it won't break up. (laughs) But if it's built with Babylon, if it's built with Babylon in mind, if it's built with your fame in mind, if it's built with your desires in mind, it will break apart the moment I blow on it. God released the sound of his spirit in, the, in in Genesis 11. It's the same release that he released in the Acts chapter 2. He released it and it broke everything apart. In Acts chapter 2, he released that same sound, adding language. And it brought everything together. He says, you'll love one or hate the other. He says, you either be loyal to one. These are deep words. Loyal, my loyalty is. It's amazing because the attack that came against me is that I am misusing money. That I am a money grubbing, not knowing that I gave more money to this ministry In sacrifice, when this ministry needed money, I went out to preach just to make money to take care of this. I took my money and got it out of foreclosure. But when Babylon and Mammon is associated to it. My wife and I have not taken a raise in over 10 years. And people think, (laughs) I have not talked to you about this because, but today I'm addressing a spirit. How dare you think that I'm gonna one day stand before God and him not asking me about anything that I'm doing unrighteous. There's not enough grace in the world to cover me. There's not enough grace in the world to keep me from standing before him and answering to every penny that was spent and everything that was done in this ministry. That person's judgment, your judgment has nothing on me because I will be judged by one greater. I will not jeopardize my life in heaven for a couple pennies that I can make. I can make more money if I left this ministry. I'm not here for money. I would not be here for money. But I'm about to turn this upside down. Because I have a bullseye. I have an enemy with a bullseye on his head now. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I'm excited. And if I preach about it every week, don't, don't get mad at me. I'm going after something. Come on, are, is there anyone? I'm going after something. Because it's the one thing that tried to kill the move of God. It tried to kill the move of God. It happened right in the midst of a move of God when we should have been. And on that same week, the same week, we were, we were presented an opportunity to have Doxa Church, that building. The realtor said, you can have this. I sat down with the leaders. I said, it's a lot. It's a big faith move, but do, I need your faith with me. And all they did is attack me. And I knew at that time, you weren't in the right position to go in this next level. Oh, praise him. Well, I don't know if this is going to be presented all over, but this is, you guys are getting it. Welcome, welcome to this day. <laughs> it's. It's the spirit of mammon, a major. She recognized it on Thursday at Nordstrom's. That's a good place. You can get some. I like Nordstrom's too, but I'm walking around like mammon. I'm not spending your money. I am spending the money from Jesus. He says, you'll love. Now he says, you cannot love both God and mammon. You can't love both God and mammon. You can't love both. That's, it's amazing. I thought to myself, how many times does God himself compare himself or even announce that there's someone that you would choose over him? There is, there is not a lot of times. I haven't found one yet other than this, that God would say, you are going to make a choice in life. It's either going to be mammon or it's going to be me. There's, there's never have I found that that revelation of how powerful this entity is a God is. It was the only entity that in Babylon, before Babylon, in the days where the people were building, do you know that Abraham was alive? At that time, he was 48 years old. Noah was still alive and Shem was still alive. The people that came off the, came off the ark were still alive, still preaching, and the people turned away from them and chose. See, that's how strong this rebellious spirit of Nimrod is. This Babylonian mammon spirit is enough where God says, you are going to have to choose between us two. I'm not going to play games here. I'm not going to play games. You either like her or you like me. You make a decision today. Don't you dare play no games with my heart. This is the only one that God got enough. You saw his jealousy really come out. You guys, did you get the picture? You erase that phone number right now. This was the only one that God got enough. Like, don't you play with my heart. You be loyal to me. Or you are going to hate me, but you're not going to have the both of us. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I should have named this cake and eat it too. Do you see this? This is an intense place that Jesus is in. He's saying the only thing that is going to get your heart other than me is this love. And loyalty to mammon. I realize in this thing is that they both want you. That you are the object of both of their eyes. Mammon, Babylon wants you. God wants you. And they both want to give you the same things. They both want to give you flowers. They both want to give you jewelry and rings. They both want to give you cars. It's not that we don't get those things, it's just why we get them. One is out of usury. Oh, come on now. A little sugar daddiness. Then the other one is true love. I want to take you home to Papa. One just wants to use you, the other wants to introduce you to the family. He says, You got to choose. You, you're going to go that way. He doesn't love you. Because Nimrod was good at using and killing and destroying at the same time. He was a thief stealing, killing, and destroying. He used God's system of what he said redemption was going to be. If you learn to work together in business, make bread together, then I'm going to prosper you. And Nimrod saw his opportunity. Look at them. They all work together. He used God's system of building for his own motivations. The Bible says you cannot love both God and money. But the Bible doesn't say you can't have money. See, the difference is, is loving. It's, 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 it's funny because when... I just heard it. It's a tool. It's, it's funny when money goes, becomes more to you than a tool, but it's an emotional fulfillment. There's a satisfaction to it. There's a feeling that comes with it when you have it. There's a walk that happens to you. When, when There's a way you walk when you have it in your pocket. And then there's a way that you walk when you don't have it. If your walk changes when you have it versus when you don't have it, there's something wrong with that. If your talk changes when you have it versus when you don't have it, there's something wrong with your relationship with it. It has gone from being a tool to being connected to a God. The Bible says the love of money is a root system. The love of money is a root system that is introducing all evil. It doesn't say money. I remember when I was going to Sabbath school, when I was young, they'd say, money is all evil. It's the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love, the root system of what happens in your heart is what generates evil. That means this Babylon, this Nimrod, Thing, that means there had to be some money associated to it. Had to be about money. Everything that's evil has some kind of money motivator. The love of, the love of. Someone say love. God's not angry at money. God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to have money, but he doesn't want money to have you. This is the thing that makes people mad. Someone said to me, I've given so much. I said, sir, I don't know how much you give. I don't look at your offerings. I don't look at because I don't want you to try to control me. And if you say I got to go, I don't want to know what's leaving. And 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 he got so mad at me. I mean, he got angry at me that he didn't know how much I didn't know how much he was giving because he wanted me to treat him differently as he was threatening to leave. Get on with your bad self. I don't have a root system of your activity because that's Babylon speaking to me. That's a Nimrod, Mammon spirit talking to me, and I don't have any room for you. All that we did, I don't know what you did. All I know is this. I asked you to build, and you didn't build. Because I'm not looking for this. I'm looking for builders. God didn't give me a bank. He gave me a blueprint. I need builders. And if we have builders, we'll have more than enough money. need builders. The love of it. The love of money. And he says, and you know, it's interesting because... That love of money will cause your faith to flee from you. It will cause your faith to flee. Your faith will flee from you. You'll change your faith. Because of the greediness. Is this sorry? How long have I been preaching? I I didn't wear my watch today. I was like, I never leave without my watch. I don't even know what happened. And you know, they don't have it. It's like, praise the Lord. Amen. Faith. That means now my love is associated to my faith. If I love God, I have faith in him. If I love money, I have faith in because of their greediness. Someone say greediness. This is okay. Because of their greediness. Greediness is an interesting word. It means an inappropriate appetite for material and possessions. an, An inappropriate appetite a desire, a lust, a coveting that is out of place for possessions and material. Which leads a person to a place of being pierced with sorrows. How come marriages are breaking up because of money? That's only love of money. That's mammon in a marriage. Why why are relationships? It's interesting because you can't love. What I found out is that mammon wants to control your relationships. If it can't control it, it will break them. Mammon hates covenants. Mammon is against covenant relationships. Mammon doesn't want a covenant with you. It wants you to serve it. It's different than God. We serve out of a covenant relationship with him. Mammon wants to brick and mortar me, control me, form me, form my thought processes, form my language. Mammon wants to hold me. Do you know that there's some thought processes that we have that we don't recognize that mammon has been controlling. Pride is a thought process. The spirit of pride works with mammon. Oh, The spirit of pride are bosom buddies. You see someone with something and and you see it's not as good as yours and you walk a little bit differently. You pull up to the car next to you and you look at the car next to you and you sit up a little bit better. Someone cuts you off in there. Oh, that's why you're driving that bucket. This is the spirit of pride. It works with mammon. It starts to compare the material with the material. Your material with their material. Pride says, oh, that's a nice sweater. Oh, yeah, it's very expensive. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I work really hard for that. I work really hard. H&M. You guys laughing about you comparing my (laughs) H&M? You know H&M is not expensive. But pride speaks as if it is. He has European." See, pride starts to work in elevating yourself. That's what mammon wants. Mammon wants you to feel superior to everyone else. Pride. But pride also has, or mammon also has a secondary mindset, which is poverty. The mindset of poverty. Oh, that's a nice sweater, oh, this whole thing. Poverty plays down. Pride plays up. Oh, this old thing, I got it on sale. Four times it was on sale. It had 4X sale on it. I, I think I only paid a penny on it. Oh, man, it's no big deal. This old thing has been in my closet forever. <laughs> Love you too. Poverty. Poverty is another comparer. See, it's, the, Mammon always wants you to compare. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, how can you they, 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 they make that much money? And I don't make that much money. I work harder than you. Well, that's comparison. No one said working harder is the key to making more money. Only Mammon says working harder is the key to money with your brick and your mortar building. But God says, I'm your provider. Comparisons. I'm not saying be lazy. I'm a worker. Man, I like to work. I I work when I'm sitting and relaxing. My my wife wonders if my mind ever turns off. I'm always working. I'm always working. She makes me take mandatory breaks. She makes me a cup of coffee. She says, sit here and stop. Just chill out. Stop. Put your pen down, put your ideas down, stop it. She makes me do it. Praise the Lord for her. I will live longer because of her. Because I have a tendency to be a workaholic. I can work. I want you to understand, if you have to exalt yourself in the midst of it, it's mammon. If you have to belittle yourself in the midst of it, it's mammon. Neither of them are true images of how God sees you. That's not how God sees you. Only mammon wants you to see yourself in a perverted way. What's wrong with saying, that's a nice shirt? Thank you. It's a blessing of the Lord. God blessed me to get this. h H&M. and Thank you, Lord. What's wrong with saying thank you? The one of the things that was most attractive to me from, about my wife is that I would give her a compliment. She says, thank you. She said, oh, this whole thing. She just said, thank you. I was like, wow, she's, that's confidence. I like that. Thank you. Oh, no, shucks. No, that's not even attractive. Stop it. Thank you. Because thank you is not trying to elevate or lower. It's just accepting. This is this is the reality of it. I'm not trying to pretend in any way. I'm not trying to be what I'm not. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm something bigger than I am or something lower than I am. This is what you have. That's transparency. That's sincerity. That's what God loves. That's what humility is. Humility is just here. This is it. Oh, but you got to. You know, something's jacked up with your eyebrow. Okay, yeah, but that's all right, praise the Lord. I can pluck them and get them right. Yeah, I know my eyebrow goes wild all the time. I don't know why it does that. just just goes, mind of its own. There's nothing wrong with that. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. I'll be right back. Amen. Because realization is, is that everything that mammon wants is you to feel like you're not right. That there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. I remember my, my, um, my wife, you know, she, she, when we planted the church in, in Southern California in San Diego, we went and we, we bought a van just to build the church. It was not for any other reason, but it turned out that my wife ended up driving it for a long time. It became her vehicle. So when we moved up here, I wanted to buy our new car. So I went and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I need you to bless me. We're still traveling. And I said, I need you to bless me. And so God blessed us. I went and I, I spent, it felt like 24 hours negotiating this car. Walking in, walking out, talking, all that stuff, you know. <laughs> Fighting for this price because I knew what I didn't want to pay. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to pay mammoth. So I come and we finally, I get to hear this black navigator, Lincoln navigator, and I, we come driving up to the church and this guy is right outside the church and he's like, he's one of the people in the church, one of the like higher, um, yeah, self-exalted people. And, <laughs> and he's like, Psh. he frowning at me. And I'm like, just because you don't take care of your wife, I mean, he's like, pfft. I thought to myself, you mean, you mean because I'm a preacher, I shouldn't have nice things? Really? I didn't serve, I'm not serving God to not have nice things. I told the Lord when I got saved, I didn't want to be a preacher because preachers don't have nice things. And he told me I didn't have to worry about it. Because he gave me a choice. I stood at that door, and I stood at that door, and I, it was build the business, be in business, or go in the ministry. Choose which one you want to love today. And I made the decision to walk away from business, to walk away from entertainment, to walk away from everything I had dreamt of all my life. I read my first book on business when I was six years old. Had my first encounter with the presence of the Lord at six. All my life, I dreamt about having money, being in business, being, and he said, walk away from it today. I said, but I don't want to be a broke preacher still wearing patent leather when it's out of date. (laughs) He says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. You will prosper just do, do this. And I will, and, and, and I will, I listen, but my family they must have the best. Oh, they have to, because they have to deal with people so much. Okay. I remember traveling somewhere. Can I just be honest? Is this okay? It's only once a year. You maybe more more now, but I'm honest every week. Okay. Phrase Lord. It has a little poverty there, huh? Cast that mammon spirit off of me, in Jesus. Name. See, he took that Nimrod out, bam, just kicked it. But the realization is he looked at me and he disdained me because of what I was driving. He looked at me like I was wrong because the blessing was on my life. You understand? I think that there's things that you Christians avoid because they don't want to appear to be a certain way. Can I tell you, God didn't raise up Solomon as the. He wasn't trying to hide his ability to bless someone and raise up Solomon. Where Babylon submitted to Solomon. The house of God and connected. The Lord started speaking to me, my house should be connected to his house the way Solomon's is. I just think that should be a, but if you don't believe it, then you can't embrace it. Well, I have no idea what time it is, guys, so I'm sorry. The restaurants will still be there, though. I'll finish with this thought. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, talks about the love of money and evil. Then it goes to verse 6. Go to verse 6, and it says, um, godliness and contentment is great gain. Some translations say are the means to great gain. Do you know before that, before the verse before, it says that some of people are teaching that if you're godly, it's the the way to gain. If you want to increase in life, be godly. He says, don't do that. But he says, now, this is because the wealthy people were godly people. And so he says, now, this is what you need to understand. That word gain, the word gain is, 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 an, is a great word. It comes from the word poros, which means the way of or the means of. To, it's your means He's saying, if you want to have gain, if you want to have means, and if you look up the, I put it in, I put it in, in the uh, U version. If you look there, there's a word that says, uh, what does it say, money making? Anyone looking at money? Money getting. Yeah. That word gain means what? That word gain means Money getting. Now watch now, godliness with contentment is great. Someone say the word great is the word megas. It's like Sam's Club. Costco. Mega. Bigger. Loaded. Megas money kidding. Now how what's in God's mind the key to getting mega money? is godliness with contentment. Godliness with contentment is the key to making more money. The Lord said to me recently, he says, I just want you to be content. I said, Lord, if you are saying you want me to be content, you now my translation, we content. Let's just make sure we're translating the same word because that means passive and chilled out and not thinking as much as I think and not doing as much as I do, I can't do that. I just straight up told them I can't do it. If you want me to be passive, if that's what your contentment is, I can't do it. You have to help me. You got to put that in me because you made me like this. I got saved because I woke up one day and said, I wonder what it's like to be a go-getter and I never stopped going. And and, and so I looked up the word contentment, and the word contentment is to be enough. You know why we keep wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting? It's because we're not actually enough. Why do I want to have a bigger house? It's because I'm not actually enough. Why do I want to? But if you can be godly and content, then the bigger house can come without it ever moving you. You don't walk differently. You don't talk differently. You don't do anything differently because contentment is about you're enough. I have this, I, you know, we're building an app, as Barrier Buster, and I have in this, this Barrier Buster reminders of, of in the Barrier Buster reminders of affirmations that I need to say, and I put in, in my affirmation and it pops up on my, my calendar and it comes up throughout the day. I put, I put a time that I wanted it to come up and it says, I am enough. See, when you are, when I am enough, oh, then I'm enough. When you are enough and God is enough, then the enemy cannot get you. He can only get you when you don't think that you're enough, when you think that you need to have more to feel enough, when you think you need to have that to be enough, when you think you need to have that big old church to be enough. I want it. But I'm working on being enough. Contentment. <laughs> Thank you, honey. She beat up that Nimrod again. See, this is the thing that I find that when I started to help people in, in coaching people in success, in the Lord says, I want you to stop doing what you're doing. I want you to stop teaching them that. And he said, I took, took seven years off. He says, I want to reinvent you. I want to reinvent your whole coaching style. And he says, I want you to focus on character because brick and mortar is successful. But if we teach the same thing everybody else is teaching, it doesn't make us different than we're given into the spirit of Babylon and mammon. And so I, I've resolved that I must teach biblical success, not just success. Because I can take everybody else's teaching on success in my own processes of success and interviewing people and teach success. And it is the same thing that Nimrod builds with. It's no different. But there's no godliness and contentment in it. You know, the Lord spoke to me when he says, Tracy, this next season of your coaching, you're going to coach and you're going to teach biblical success. You want to hear this, Julian? He says, because everything in the Bible is megas." Never, nothing. You know, we hear of things. It's like, oh, that was of biblical proportions. That's what he said. If you teach the Bible, you get biblical proportions. People try to explain away and why the Red Sea split. The Red Sea, the wind blew this wind, blew that wind. But the fact is, it never happened like that ever again. Even if it was natural, it was of biblical proportions. you and I are going to live in biblical proportions (laughs) without changing who we love and who we're loyal to. God wants us to have great gain. Will you stand and do this de- declaration with me? Because this is what I want us to focus on. And if you have a mirror, write it on your mirror. If you have anything, just put it in your, in your day planner. Put it in your calendar until Barry buster comes out. Then download it and you can put it in there. But I want you to say every day this week, I am enough. God, you are enough. If you have anything you want to sing out and prophesy, lay hands, spit, whatever you want to do, go for it. Will you lift your hand? Let me just pray. Will I declare over every one of you today that you are enough. That satisfaction is from within, not from without. That contentment means that nothing on the exterior of you affects the interior of you. You are enough. What you have doesn't make you enough. What you don't have doesn't make you enough. You are enough. Your God is enough. I declare over you, no more comparisons. No more looking down on yourself. No more looking too highly. I break off anything that would try to make a material comparison on your life. I break the spirit of materialism off of you. I command it to leave you and loose you and let you go. You are enough you are enough come on break it off break it off break it off every image of a magazine every image on tv every image that was told you every image that was declared to you i break it off you are enough